if someone from Dublin does it, he actually doesn't. He's not telling it. Ah, this is culty bias. This is bias against culty. Yeah, here, but so we a, can't say it, but you can say it. Yes. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Okay, you are very welcome along. It is the final football kickoff of the Premier League season. It is game week 38. It has been a long, gruelling season, but it is all coming down to the final game where obviously all that is left to be decided is which of those uh, Premier League titans will be playing Championship Football next season. Uh, welcome along to Football Kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got Keith Tracy and Colin Bowie with us for the final time this season. Gentlemen, it's been total mosh. Enjoyed yeah, it. Trying to keep it together here. Uh, Manchester United last night were they were they good? Were they four one winners because they're four one better than Chelsea at the minute, or what happened? We were just saying there myself and Keith before we started recording that Chelsea had loads of chances. It was end to end. I saw someone on Twitter say it was the lowest quality end to end game they've seen in a long time versus Man City Brighton the night before. United were definitely worthy of the win. I'd say it was probably about uh, well one goal fewer of the margin that they won I'd say they were about two goals better off but Chelsea had three guilty chances in the first half after three minutes Mudrick missed an absolute sitter Havertz had a header which he should have at least hit the target with put it wide Conor Gallagher put it wide and that's what Frank Lampard's been saying since he took over in the interim basis they create loads of chances but they can't finish them it was actually very true last night United were more clinical yeah, I thought that was spot on. Uh, Chelsea made an awful lot of chances, but just the basics of the game, like they, they they play so well up to a up to a certain point, and then they just fluff their lines. But to concede, you can't concede from a set piece. I know United are a brilliant Martial, Sancho, Anthony, Fernandez. They can rip you apart, Eriksson. But to concede from a set piece when you go away to Old Trafford and they've been on the front foot, they were creating chances, and then when Casemiro hits the back of the net, you're thinking. Here we go again. It's, it's just it's not solid enough. It's not strong enough. And you look at this. I actually thought Lewis Hall had a, had a good game at left back for Chelsea. But in terms of defensively, is he somebody you want playing in your Premier League team in an elite club in England? Fafana, Chalaba, Aspilicueta. That's not you know an elite group of uh, defenders there, is it? So look, there's problems at at the top of the pitch and there's big big problems at the bottom. And obviously the manager issue is a big one as well. They spent a load of money, obviously, on a lot of players who are. Are they salvageable? Like if you, if you look across right to what Ten Hag has done, loads of players who uh, many didn't think would make it at Manchester United, he has turned into some value. You know um, whether or not they're going to be players who actually win a league title with Eric Ten Hag, we'll we'll wait and see. But certainly, good coaching can improve these players. Yeah, look, there's a all of the players there are obviously of a decent standard. Otherwise, they wouldn't be at Chelsea. They wouldn't have went for the money they went for. But the certain players, like whoever comes in that door, whoever it is, it's going to take them so long if they want to, you know, see them in a couple of pre-season games. If you, the eleven you watch, you've still got another set of eleven you've got to watch then, and then there'll be players that are saying, oh, "I don't want to play off the front gaffer, I want to play off the left." So you have to give him a chance. Whoever comes in the door, it's going to probably take two, three months before he gets his head straight and thinks, "Right, these are the lads I want, these are the lads I don't want." Plus, there'll be targets that aren't at the club they want to bring in. So, I think there's a. a a decent overhaul there's too many players there's 30 players there so you're going to have to go in and you're probably going to have to axe probably 15 of them to free up a, f- a bit of, a few bob for themselves so I think it's but the likes of Mudrick you know a player who you're thinking has all the talent in the world it's just not clicking and for him for players like Mudrick I think it's just a bit of confidence that's all he needs to, to hit the ground running but there's one or two there that I think just need to just aren't good enough and 
Chelsea have rolled the dice but it's just not happened Were you ever um, with a side that had a bloated squad like that like and the unhappiness levels of, of fellas who are left out what's that like uh, well see I, I played the majority of my career in the championship so the, the squads were pretty yeah. you know quite quite tight knitted but I, I've been in dressing rooms where players who feel like they should be playing and they're knocking on the door and believe me they can players who aren't happy they become a cancer in the dressing room they really do quickly so you would think that can you imagine even if Lampard had won that game against Manchester United last night he'd have woke up this morning and went into training there'd have been 15 players outside the door knocking on it going Gaffer I want to play so Lampard was knackered either way win lose or draw there's people knocking on his door the vast majority so look I, I think it's a huge huge job but I've I, I, I seen a, an, old, an old clip of Frank Lampard saying that top six is the minimum and a bad day for Chelsea a bad season for Chelsea so you know it goes to show you where they're at this season Yeah I, I'm interested in how long you think it'll take we assume it's going to be Pochettino to um, fix everything like is it a is it an 18 month job or can you actually come in get your first team just ignore like those players who are not going to be part of the squad and build some kind of resilience within the team quite quickly because you've got a strong force of personality in a way that you would say Lampard doesn't for example yeah, look, it, you could come in, but... Like Unai Emery at Villa is a good comparison in terms of how quickly you can start harvesting points, build a team, this is my first choice team, and it's going to play, because there's no European football for them to worry about next season. Yeah, look, I, I get that, but you know, I remember Thiago Silva coming out and said he had to extend the dressing room. So if it is Pochettino who comes in, the lads that you're going to ignore or you don't want in the club anymore, they're going to be sitting beside the lads who are starting every week and you know they're going to be in the air going, I don't really like this fella. And all of a sudden... Training with the kids thing? like. Well, I actually had that at Preston once when, when Darren Ferguson came in we had you know 20-25 players and he cut about 10 of them and just put them into the reserve team dressing room they weren't allowed to associate with the first team whatsoever so it, could you come in and be as heavy handed as that and get people on side you know, I'm not so sure but like I said from the outside looking in that looks like an absolutely massive job but they're obviously a very very talented bunch but just that little bit of resilience and that little bit of know-how to keep the ball out and it is just uh, it's just not quite there the one other problem that you might have is that there's a good chance that you're going to sell players quickly in the summer if you come in and clear them out who then go on to be absolutely brilliant because they haven't had the opportunity they haven't been coached under the right manager they've been played out of position and um, you know, this has happened to Chelsea before they've had incredible world class players on their books who uh, are now winning league titles with their rivals yeah and that, that's always a thing as a coach as a manager you know you don't want to see somebody going out the door that you, you potentially could go on and you know be a better player than you were at that club because obviously the, the the fingers will be pointed at the coach and staff the club so that that does come into coaches heads but I think for where Chelsea are at now they just need to cut ties and start worrying about themselves I think like I say I think there's a massive massive overhaul there and it's a huge huge job I, I don't see I, I think probably the guts of two years 18 months to, to get that sorted yeah. they've only scored 37 goals in 37 games by far the fewest they've scored ever in the history of the Premier League what renowned striker or proven goal scorer actually wants to go to Chelsea? This with, with no European football, it's very, very difficult to attract anybody. And, and this is what I'm saying: that maybe they have the answers within the squad. Like you look at Mudrick, Havertz. These guys aren't going to hit the back of the net 20 times a season. They're brilliant players. Even uh, Joe Felix, brilliant, brilliant individuals. But can you rely on them to hit get get you 20 goals a season? You can't. Looking around Europe, you're thinking, you know, we spoke about Lukaku. You're going to throw the dice on him He's again. Back, yeah. 
But, you know, if it is Pochettino to come in, Pochettino wants this sexy football, putting the ball into Lukaku's feet. I don't think that's Lukaku's best attribute, you know. He's a target man. He's somebody who can hold balls up. So I don't think the style of play is right for Lukaku to come in, but I'm scratching my head thinking around Europe and I don't see any right, any fit. Well, maybe there's one there who's about to leave, Joe Felix. They don't have an option to buy him. He's going back to Atletico. He basically doesn't have a relationship with Diego Simeone anymore. Simeone probably has never really got the best out of him. I always thought it was a surprising signing by Simeone from Benfica, but unbelievable potential there. When he made his debut for Chelsea, he got sent off away to Fulham. But before that, I thought he by far was a standout player on the pitch. And again, last night, I thought he was very, very good. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think... um, Maybe you don't need him as an out-and-out number nine, but you can still be a goal-scoring forward that plays across the line. Like that goal he scored last night, he has the ability to round players and finish. It's probably just getting the most out of him in confidence sense. Yeah, I, I think he's too much of a... He wants to get involved. He wants to be the link-up player. He wants to have assists. So like when you look at the likes of a Haaland, and I know everybody, Haaland is, is, is the standard for the striker these days, but Haaland will stay away from the game. Haaland will, doesn't mind if he doesn't touch the ball. I don't think Joe Felix would stay away from the game and think, don't worry, my time will come, I'll hit the back of the net. He will want to get on the ball and make things happen, whereas you know, Haaland is just sit on the periphery and think, I'll get me a chance, I'll hit the back of the net. And you're guaranteed goals with him. With Joe Felix you're probably going to go up around 10 if you're lucky which doesn't answer the problems and with the likes of an Aubameyang on the bench as well I know you know Aubameyang's gone to Chelsea and it hasn't really happened but he is a goal scorer but it's just his personality you'd say that about San too when he signed for Tottenham Mm. you know they weren't really getting him for the goals necessarily it was a creative play and he finished joint top scorer last season like yeah. you don't have to be an out and out striker to get the best out of a that was a an forward. outlier though you know like if mm. you're going to be building a team who is but it is an example of how to do it yeah but it, it, it was unsustainable though I think like if you're going to build a team who is hopefully going to win the league and win the Champions League then you do need players who are going to flare up but like you need a deluge of goals in the sides and I, I don't think they have it as at their disposal maybe as you say Lukaku and they finally convince him that he can do it in the Premier League I do think yeah. that the Unai Emery thing where you just give everybody a job you tell them what they're mm. supposed to do and you give them a bit of confidence like Ollie Watkins was on the bench for Steven Gerrard and then was absolutely irresistible for 12-15 games so mm. maybe some of these players are way 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 better than they've shown and you know, like if they actually have the bones of a really good side if someone tells them what to do and knows what they're doing in training week in, week out. Yeah, like we say, with Chelsea, if somebody was to put a structure on them and make them really, really difficult to beat, you would back the attacking talent to shine through and be able to win games for them. But like I said, just being able to keep teams out. You know, Thiago Silva, is he going to be there again next season with him being so old? And look, he, he, on the eye, he's been absolutely fine. He's probably yeah. been one of the better defenders, but it's just his age, I think. And can we build around him? Probably not. So they need a world-class centre-half in. They need a couple of decent defenders. Aspilicueta, a decent age as well. So look, even Endo Fernandez, a World Cup winner, not really having the impact. His performances have been okay, but he hasn't had the impact that you'd want them to have. And I think a lot of the signings have just fell, fell on, uh, fell on deaf ears at the minute. But they have, to, yeah, they have, they have so many players. Like what is it, thirty players in the squad? Mm. So round it up, say they round it up to thirty exactly. They need to get rid of about twelve, really and then add maybe two or three others instead so if a squad of about 21-22 you're not going to do that all summer so maybe their only option here is to convert an existing forward into something that the player isn't actually at the moment so like I'll give you two examples of the extreme ends Mikhail Antonio was a right sided player for West Ham converted into a striker who was effective and scored goals and on the opposite end of the spectrum the ultimate example well two Gareth Bale and Cristiano Ronaldo who are wide players who became goal scorers yeah 
like is it possible for a coach to come in in that short space of time and say take Mikalenko or uh, Mudrick sorry or Felix if they did keep him could a world class coach change a player that quickly to be like this is exactly what I want for you next season avoid your instinct and do exactly what I say uh, he could because you, you know you could drop the hammer and say if you don't do what I want then you won't be in the team and then you're forcing the players hands but like I say with Mudrick I think Mudrick is a winger he likes running at people I don't think he, he goes onto the pitch thinking I want to hit the back of the net like a Haaland does I think Joe Felix is the same he, he likes being involved in the assist he likes to build a play he will he likes hitting the back of the net but I don't think it's the be on and end off of these players and you, you need somebody who's selfish and thinks right no matter what I can have a bad game but I'm going to hit the back of the net and I don't see the, an obvious answer within the Chelsea squad and I don't see an obvious answer within Europe and I don't see anybody any decent strikers wanting to go to Chelsea just because of the European football so yeah, their money the money that Chelsea can pay obviously if they can ship out some players and I did want to ask you about that next Mason Mount have you watched enough of Mason Mount to have a strong opinion on him? Yeah, I, I think Mason Mount is an excellent little player. I think uh, obviously the contract negotiations, he wants to be on a par with some of the highest earners. I'm not so sure he, he, he's earned that right just yet. He, he's still very, very young. I know he's been an outstanding performer for Chelsea and he's come through the academy sort of association, associating with Chelsea, but I don't know. I, look, I'm hearing rumours he might go to Manchester United, he might go to Arsenal. I'd love to see him go to Arsenal. Would you, honestly? Yeah, yeah I think okay, if right. you think Declan Rice and Mount in uh, Arsenal's midfield next season, and I think the, the squad depth between Manchester City and Arsenal was the big, big difference. You bring Royce and you bring Mount into that, I think Arsenal and Manchester City come a little bit closer again. And, and so what type of player in your head is Mason Mount? Because um, when he's in the England team, he's kind of a joiner-upper. Yeah. Uh, what is he? What in a, in a Premier League side that was well run um, and the manager's giving him a defined role, uh, what position does he play and what is that role? Well, you can play. I play him off off one of the strikers, whether that's in like the number ten role or playing him wide on the left or wide on the right. I think he's great running onto the ball. I think he's he's a constant threat in behind. He always looking to to penetrate the defences. And I like that from him. You seen he uh, was it his goal in the uh, he win the penalty in the Champions League when he a big long assist. He, it's the penetration in behind. But so he's not a midfielder for you. He's not like he's not going to dictate the pace of the game or get on the ball no for me I'd be I'd be telling them to run into the channels This like so many of the bigger teams now play on the halfway line so if you get Mason Mount just when I get it I'm going to get my head up you run into the channel and play from there get people in 1v1 situations I wouldn't necessarily he's good enough to drop into the midfield and link play but when you get him running onto the ball I think that's his best attribute because I saw some people talking about him potentially going to Liverpool but he's not getting in the front three at Liverpool so he's playing in the middle three for Liverpool yeah, and again, like sometimes you know, a player like Mason Mount becomes available, and people are thinking, oh, Liverpool will just buy him. You're thinking, does he actually fit into that system? Is he is he actually going to get in there, or are you doing what Chelsea did last season and just buying players for the sake of it? Like Mudrich when Arsenal was going to Mud- uh, when Mudrich was going to Arsenal, you're thinking, okay, maybe, and then it just felt like Chelsea thought, I will take him, yeah. like just to get him. Could he play deeper than off the strikers, or, or like could he play as one of those midfield three for Liverpool? The front three? No, the middle three. The so, middle three. So, Henderson, Fabinho and Mount. Is that a possibility? With the, like, yeah, or, with Fabinho yeah. and Henderson, definitely. Because you could put uh, Fabinho and Henderson behind him and t- uh, Mason to be the point of the, the tree in the middle. So, so Trent joining in. Yeah, yeah so look, at, he would fit into that Liverpool team. I think it would be good, but... Like I say, I don't think he's, he's getting into the front three, so then you're, you're juggling him into the midfield yeah. three, and he would be the link from the middle to the front. I wouldn't, I don't think he'd be tasked with too many defensive so issues. So you could play him as an eight as well as a. You could play him as an eight, but more of an offensive eight, you know, 
he would give he would get the license to go and you tell other players, listen, just be weary that when Mason does go, we need to cover him behind him. And he definitely he's bags and bags of ability. And I think there will be there'll be lots of Chelsea fans that don't want to see the back of Mason Mount just right. because he's such a talented boy. Okay. Okay. Uh do you want to talk about Manchester United and how well they did qualify for the Champions League and Pretty well. isn't it amazing? Yeah. Well, yeah, you go back to a game and a half into the season as they were six one down in aggregate in the league table, two 0 defeated home to Brighton, which subsequently was their only home defeat. Yeah, and then they spent a quarter of a and billion then, uh, and uh, four can do. Yeah. 4-0 uh, against Brentford at half time and we're like Jesus there was even a little rumour that Ericsson Hag was going to walk away by the end of August this mm. is an absolute mess what I've inherited here so fair play to him he's turned it around I don't think anyone said that they would come third him and Casemiro in the Champions League places uh, League Cup win and possibly an FA Cup win around the corner so it's a good season I think uh, Sky Sports put it to Bruno Fernandes on the pitch afterwards as it been a decent season and Bruno said that's exactly what it's been decent which I think yeah. is fair enough some big outlier poor results like those first two games 7-0 at Anfield um, Sevilla in the Europa League West Ham away there a couple of weeks ago so some major improvements to be made but overall you have to say they're making progress oh you're happy out then I don't think you can be unhappy just the same with yourself at Aston Villa same with yourself at Arsenal well sorry yeah. Aston Villa had a terrible manager and replaced him with a really great manager I looked, you know uh, and live in the moment like it's a, this is a good surge time surge through uh, more points per game than anybody apart from the top two teams in the, in the country that's great and if he can continue that next season for a whole campaign yeah, Villa could be in the Champions League it'd be absolutely amazing whereas Manchester United expectations are slightly higher what with them being the record total winning Premier League team of all time you know. yeah but I mean I think that's uh, not relevant to modern football that's been 10 years since they last okay, won the so league they're, they're settling for mediocrity is what I mean no but they just I mean really United have had two successful periods in their whole lifetime under two managers and the rest has been a struggle Did you hear Luke Shaw's interview? No, what did he say? You know you need to challenge for the, for the league next season and the Champions League you need to win the Champions League Yeah You're I in mean, it to win it they're all, they're, They say the right things that group of players they've always been very good at what they say It's different on the pitch Yeah, I don't know I, I, I think don't that's mind, a bit I, too ambitious Shaw's not been bad I have to say all season but uh, I mean of course he's going to say that Like they, you know, they're great at the PR like yeah, I don't know. I think he's been a little bit too ambitious. I think if they compete in that and they compete in the in the Premier League, but this season I think it's been excellent. Maybe two trophies. I think they've come on leaps and bound under under Eric Ten Hag. And the main thing with Ten Hag is he seemed to have got a control of that dressing room. So. He seemed to be a little bit wild before he I came in. So. Yeah, there, there's still a bit of the old culture there, like the Liverpool game and Anfield. That second half performance yeah. is very concerning. But as a matter of interest, right? On. So yesterday, and I realise it's just it's paper talk and it's the silly season, but there was. There was an opportunity for him to say, Neymar is not for us, and he didn't say it. Yeah. Always, yeah would you not that. just be like, no, obviously I'm not going to bring like the clown prince of world football. We just got rid of Paul Pogba, took a long time, and now we're going to bring an even bigger circus. Yeah, well, I totally agree with you. I don't think Neymar would suit Manchester United. I think the, the play slows down quite a lot with him. He's brilliant for Brazil, but in terms of going to Manchester United, it just doesn't seem like a good yeah. fit in, in the dressing room as a person looking beyond his football ability. Oh, it's, you're it's excited? Funny. No, no, it's Look funny. No, because I think like if we were having this conversation in about, uh, I'd say, what, early winter 1992, and we're Leeds United, we'd be like, what are you doing signing Eric Antona? This guy's a clown. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about Neymar. I think he's a luxury player. He comes out. Can you see him running after centre halves left? No, right not at all. And, and not that's not what Ten Hag wants. He, he wants a pressing game from the front, and then you're going to throw Neymar in. He gets a bit lippy. And Captain had a, an intense physicality about him that like really fitted the muscular requirements. Oh, but I mean, was completely written off as a, a total troublemaker who ruined the teams he was in, despite his talent. Yeah, but I think Ferguson had at that stage already. It was Howard Wilkinson got him first. But but Ferguson deciding to sign him, like had credit in the bank when it came to um, to dealing with that. I'm not sure that even like Ten Hag just yet has dealt with like getting somebody who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing and then using them in the team. It's the opposite. He's burning players out who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. I think Ferguson was under a huge amount of pressure in '92 because he had been at the club what six years at that point without a league title. And they were like, they're going to sign this Maverick. Well, they'd won a European Cup in his cup by that stage. Yeah, that's true, the year before. So slightly more than it would have been. And the FA Cup was held against Palace. So a little bit more, but they were still under a bit of pressure because they hadn't won the big thing. Uh, Harry Redknapp did it with um, Paolo Di Canio. At West Ham. Yeah, when um, Di Canio was shunted out of Sheffield Wednesday. So there's been examples throughout the years where managers are able to deal with troublemakers with a lot of talent. But I do agree with you that like... It's not Neymar it, is I don't a think, poor choice. I don't think he's a troublemaker. I think that there's just a circus around it. And also, he's not... If you're going to play a high press, is Neymar going to lead the high press for various stages? Well, maybe he he's thinking about signing him without him actually getting involved in the high press. You know, maybe he's thinking, well, he has so much already, talent that I could get the most out of him. Already playing with a goalkeeper he doesn't want. And well, maybe now, he has a goalkeeper lined up to replace the hair. But no, it is interesting that he didn't rule him out, I have to say. I wonder, wonder what that's about. I think that's just Ten Hag being respectful because that's he is about, a wonderful yeah, player. Has he kind of said the same thing about Ronaldo? Yeah, Ronaldo I think he could have come out and said, listen, yeah. we don't want him. I think he's just trying to be respectful because he is a world-class player, but I don't think it's a, a match at all. Sometimes you just have to tell the truth, though, and like, I mean, we, we just, sorry, I had forgotten about the whole Ronaldo thing. I don't know how I managed to forget about that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that'll be great. Let's have another Ronaldo. It's like, oh, we got rid of Pogba. I mean, yeah. yeah. He, he bit his tongue hard in Ronaldo for the first yeah, half you, of the season. put the club's best interest at heart there, don't you? Um, it, but burning him out straight away would have been the right thing to do. Like, gone. You, you, because they had five months of that nonsense. You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he did so much damage that it's well, it slowed them down I, I don't think they were going to achieve anything more than they have done it's hard subsequently to it's they've hard recovered to in the second half of the season well he was such him. a poisonous influence that oh he was at the end of like, like, geez, the Pierce Morgan stuff is like phenomenal that that was this season yeah it has been a long long grueling <laughs> season let's talk about the fixtures this weekend so we've got Reading Chelsea in the WSL on Saturday we have uh, Luton Town versus Coventry which is obviously the richest game in football that's 4.45 on Sky Sports um, Everton Bournemouth uh, we have Leicester West Ham and Leeds United Spurs to talk about this weekend uh, the WSL it's fairly straightforward it's in Chelsea's hands yeah Chelsea just need to win the game to, to win the league it's as straightforward as that there's not too much thinking to be done but Chelsea won the last five games on the bounce and Reading uh, they've only won three games this season they've lost 16 games already so you can't imagine Redden would put up too much of a fight against Chelsea so very very straightforward go and win the game and you just win the league Manchester United you'd expect them to, to maybe beat Liverpool and get it over the line but you know, I, I think they're, they're asking for a, a mini miracle there for United to be able to turn it around but Sam Kerr 10 goals you just can't see Chelsea slipping up yeah Sam Kerr might be a um, bit of a nightmare for Ireland coming down the tracks as well with the news during it the did. week that um, yeah. Mannion's injury go on no sorry go ahead no, I was going to say um, 
it would be the most remarkable shock of the season if Reading were to beat Chelsea yeah. here and then United were to beat Liverpool for their first ever bit of silverware having lost the FA Cup final to Chelsea by the odd goal uh, but like the job that Emma Hayes has done this season and continues to do for Chelsea over a long period of time like she could get any job she wants in world football we actually talked about it on OTBM this morning with Shabana Hearn that like where does she go next and the kind of question is like does she take like our own Emma Carroll was suggesting Barcelona as a possible destination but she can kind of do anything she wants the way like Rodan O'Gara can do it in the rugby world she's just a phenomenon and like Chelsea don't necessarily play, play the most attractive football like they have Sam Kerr who's just a goal machine up front uh, they have a lot of creators in their team but like it's not like football that you tune in to watch all the time but they just have this incredible winning mentality that you could hear Mark Skinner the Manchester United manager say after the FA Cup final that it was almost a desperation to get at their level and surpass Emma Hayes at Chelsea and that could turn into a great rivalry as well uh, but it would be an unbelievable shock of seismic proportions if Reading were to do it against Chelsea this season and then United beat Liverpool lot to that one kicks off at half past two tomorrow uh, the um, playoff final uh, as I said the richest game in world football or one of them anyway this is a mad throwback two teams that we did not expect to be here Luton against Coventry um, I've seen almost no championship football this year I don't know if you've caught much of it but do you have an expectation about what's going to happen <laughs> I have a sneaky feeling that Coventry will just get it over the line I can see this going all the way uh, extra time penalties the whole shebang I think it'd be a nervy a scary encounter can you imagine what it, I, I've been promoted once to the to the Premier League from the Championship but that was an automatic promotion I, I never got involved in the playoffs and you know, my heart is starting to beat a little bit quicker just thinking about it. It's, it really is mental. The, the week the week beforehand, all the build-up to it. The, although these are decent championship clubs, the players would never have got the media side of this. It's absolutely blown out of all proportions. So the richest game in football, whoever holds their nerve, the better. But I know we were saying to you off-air that Luton have a horrible, uh, horrible track record in London. They're not that far from London. No, no, it, it doesn't matter that that much at all. But is that just something in the back of their heads? I think they've I wrote down they've been to Wembley seven times and they've lost five. So that's not not a great statistic. So, did you play at Wembley? Never played at Wembley. No, only ever been there for a, a couple of games. But yeah, I, I just think Mark Robbins and Coventry. But this, I think, this is excellent. It really is the championship final between Coventry and Luton. Five years ago, this was a League Two fixture. This is this is really romantic stuff. And I, I honestly. In the nicest way possible, I don't really care who wins it because both of them are underdogs and it yeah. absolutely. But when you look how they knocked out Middlesbrough and Sunderland to I get know, to the yeah. final. Yeah, there's a fear though that maybe they could be single digit points winners next season in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Derby 0708. Yeah. They got 11 points that season and that was Derby like an established side. Um, uh, it is brilliant to see because we had Sean Maguire on the show mm. during the week. For Coventry City striker signed there in winter and at that point in January... Coventry were 15th in the championship mm. like an incredible ascendancy for Luton they've been there thereabouts in the playoffs for the last couple of years in fairness like the job Rob Edwards has done they finished 10 points clear of Coventry but it often happens in the playoff final oh, yeah, that decides who yeah. comes 6th or whatever this is actually a much better game generally over the last number of years than the FA Cup finals I, I, the FA Cup final is totally it has for me anyway uh, maybe this year it's different because Man United can stop Man City doing the treble and so therefore it's massively important but um, this game actually really 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 matters whereas the cup final like, uh, you know it, it's become so diminished so yeah. I prefer this 
that's, that's exactly why I love watching it. You can see when the lads are walking out and they're, they're doing the lineup before kickoff, and you can just see it in their eyes. It means so much to everybody the fans, the players, the manager, the coach, and staff. Everybody is 110% invested in this. The week before, the, the club can't do enough for you. You feel like an absolute superstar. They don't want you to be upset whatsoever. So every player will give everything, and that's why I love to watch it. I just I hope we get a free flowing game. I don't think that'll happen. I, I just hope both teams don't freeze but I think there's not an awful lot I know uh, there was 10 point gaps between them in the league but I think this will be a really really tight game and it could be decided on penalties We were talking as, as you said to Johnny McGuire during the week and he hasn't got much game time um, I think he's played in 7 or 8 games since he signed for them but he's on the bench but it, like you know uh, it's the 117th minute of the game and the manager looks down and he's used all his subs he goes one left and no strikers and he's like come on Johnny this is your time to shine buddy and then it goes to penalties and he's you know Everybody else is standing back. He's like, well, I've got literally nothing to lose here. I'll be straight on WhatsApp to him Saturday night if that happens. Get him on again next week. <laughs> I, I was thinking the exact same thing as you, Ger. I was like, imagine he comes on and he gets the winner. Like, it's changed forever. Um, you were saying you played a Coventry? Yeah. Lovely place? Yeah, play. I always like playing in the, the Rigo Arena. And to be fair, I, I've played in, a, in the in the championship. Um, I remember playing against, um, I played there for Blackburn in the FA Cup and uh, Jordan Henderson played centre midfield for Coventry. That's how many years ago it was. But... Hey. I remember, uh, you know, the pitch being a little bit scatty, not an awful lot of grass on the pitch, probably only a couple of towels and the ground looking really empty. You know, it was really poor times for Coventry. It was, the club was literally nosediving out of the championship and it, they obviously went a little bit lower, but it's great to see them recover. It really is. I always loved going to the Rico Arena and they just seemed to be a, a little bit more on a, a stable footing. If they were into the Premier League, you know, you couldn't begrudge them. Well, was Hen- did Henderson stand out? He he did for his age. I think he he was probably uh, high teens at that age. I was maybe twenty twenty one. So he he stood out, probably not in the game. But when you look at his age and what he was doing in the game, yeah, he he was decent. But when you look at what he did for commentary, and then you're thinking, if you'd have told me he's going to go and play for England in World Cups and be uh, Liverpool's captain, I'd have probably laughed at you. But you know that's why I'm not a skill. <laughs> The yeah. games on Sunday are all obviously about one thing at this stage. Uh, Everton, Bournemouth, Leicester, West Ham and Leeds United Spurs. Everton, Bournemouth's on Sky Sports main event. Leicester, West Ham is on Sky Sports Premier League. Leeds versus Spurs is on BT Sport 1. And this the question that remains to be answered is who is going down? Can anybody get out of the relegation zone at this stage? So Leeds and Leicester are obviously there on 31 points and Everton are the, ones in, the only ones left who can get uh, sucked back into it. Will Everton get sucked back into it? No, I think Everton will. I think Everton will do enough. I think they beat Bournemouth, which obviously is all they need to do. But to the Leeds and Spurs, it's it's a really interesting game because Spurs have been they've been absolutely awful since Conte. I think it's nine games since Conte's gone out the door. They've only picked up eight points. It's just been so so flaky. And you look at the teams that they've lost to in that time. They've lost to Brentford, Villa, Bournemouth. And then obviously the six-one trash into Newcastle, so it's been up and down, up and down. When you when you think about Spurs, you think it's okay they have Harry Kane. You're looking forward to next season. And think if they don't have Harry Kane, you know I'm thinking they probably need five or six bodies in the building already, like decent world-class players. You bring Harry Kane out of that team, my God, they they don't look good at all. Even that's if uh, Son, Kulusevski, and all them stay. I, I just don't see where Spurs go from here. And, as soon as Conte left, I thought there's only one way to go and, it, and it's down from here. So I just don't know where to go. I, I can see Leeds beating them tomorrow. But like I say, I think Everton will get the job done. Did you see Jose Mourinho during the week talking about how every single club that he's ever been at, he still has very strong feelings for, with the exception of Spurs, because Mr. Levy didn't let me win the trophy. And it's like, 
you kind of forgot about that but then yeah. you remember back oh he actually sacked him the week of a cup final which they then subsequently lost and replaced him with Ryan Mason when they sacked Antonio Conte and granted it would have been hard not to sack him because of what he was saying but when they sacked him they were still in the running for the Champions League place it's yeah. like I mean what are you doing but, uh, to do it once is unfortunate to do it twice begins to look like carelessness like what are you doing I think he was dying to get sacked though wasn't he well, I mean, at the same time Make him earn the money for the rest of the season. You're going to have to pay him anyway. And he's better than Ryan Mason and the other guy that I've even forgotten his name in between. But they were fourth in the league. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it. Go ahead. They've all forgotten. I don't even want to Google it. I'll get it. They were, they were fourth in the league. I know. And every every time I spoke to a sports fan, he was saying, oh, the, 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 our, "Our style of play is horrible. It's very boring." It's oh. If you go toe to toe with footballing teams as as, as sports players. You get beat by the majority. You need to make it horrible. You need that's the only way you get to the fourth in the league. So Conte was doing what he had to do with that group of players, and I know it wasn't pretty on the eye, but sometimes the grass is not always green. Now Ryan Mason's tried to play football, and they're flying down the league as quick as they can. So all of a sudden, from Champions League football, they're into seventh place, and yeah, I've, I've totally forgot about the Mourinho second as well. That it's just bizarre, isn't you know, it? We forgot better about it. You nearly forgot about it at the time because that was the Monday morning. The Monday, the morning after the Super League announcement, so it got kind of buried. It was like, oh yeah, then Spurs have sacked Mourinho because it looked like football was going to fall apart as we knew it when the Sunday night news broke out of the, the European Super League. That was six days, yeah, before the League Cup final. Now, in fairness, he did say in the press conference as well, Mourinho, that it was like a large reason that he has no love for Tottenham. Really, it's because most of the games were played in empty stadiums during COVID. Mm. But he definitely aimed the dig at Daniel Levy, yeah. being like, I, I want to make sure I get out of this comment. Now. Tottenham are only a point behind Aston Villa mm. so if results go their way they win Villa don't they go past them they finish 7th would that have any difference in a player wanting to sign for Spurs in the Conference League versus no European football realistically probably not I think with the market that Spurs are going to be shopping in if they finish 6th or 7th it's probably in around the same player but they're obviously out of Champions League football the, the top end of the players are not going to want to play there but the one thing that you have going for them that if Kane does leave it'll free up a few Bob and whoever's coming in will think I'm going to play because Harry Kane is gone yeah. now whether that fella hits the ground running and, and starts scoring goals that obviously remains to be seen but it, I think it's a, it's a big big summer for Spurs obviously the players they bring in have to hit the ground running but I just don't like how flaky they are the decisions that are being made in the background and let's not forget I, I keep coming back to it everything Conte said in his interview was right yeah. I know he shouldn't have said it but I have a feeling that was been said in the dressing room time after time to the players and he wasn't getting a reaction so he thought there's only one thing I can do here I'm going to throw them under the bus in, in the media and here's the thing like it has been so bad that it couldn't have it couldn't have been as bad if they kept him like and that that's not post fact that's like oh he can't stay he has to stay because you know if you've got a replacement fair enough you know if, if the new manager was coming in and they'd done a deal with whoever is actually going to end up being the manager but like everybody keeps ruling themselves out for various reasons you look at the swing of uh, whatever they had to pay to get Conte when, uh, when, he, when he gets sacked he, he's, his money to leave not making the Champions League whatever that would be worth as well so the turnover of money all yeah, of a sudden yeah. there because of the decision making off the pitch is ridiculous and I, I know people are saying they had to sack Conte I don't think they did I, I'm like you I, I just, I'd have kept him there and said listen if you want to leave you can go at the end of the season but yeah, go and, and get his Champions League football first you, it, his reputation is the thing that was going to inspire him to keep working because he is, he's got a giant ego all these managers but, have giant egos and he doesn't want it ego, it is a game of egos there's no way Levy would have allowed himself being spoken to indirectly like that in a press conference there's just none he would have been like, you can't say that, I have to sack you. Yeah, it's cost him 100 million. And now, I look, guarantee I, I he's happy I, to pay the 100 million. I don't think they were going to qualify for the Champions League anyway. But 
uh, at the same time I think they might have finished fifth or sixth and therefore there would be Europa League and that is a significant totally different of class of player coming in in the summer then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ah, look, you reap what you sow. Uh, Everton are going to beat Bournemouth, are they? Well, see, the thing is, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is missing. Mm. They don't really have a goal scoring for it at all. Dominic Calvert-Lewin doesn't really exist anymore, though. (laughs) Oh, no, he's actually been a part of their recent resurgence. So the 5-1 at Brighton that they won, that out of nowhere. Like, Dwight McNeil did well, DeCorey did very well, but it was Calvert-Lewin up front that was making a difference. They haven't won at home since the 11th of March. Mm. And now they're without their only fella who's a consistent goal-scoring trader. And even at that, that's a generous title yeah. for Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. So, Bournemouth, right, have absolutely nothing to play for, i.e. nothing to lose. It'll probably be lovely weather. It always is in the last day of the season. They'll do what they want. Loads of touches on the ball. It's like when you play two-touch of training and the coaches go all in for the last five minutes. That'll be the whole game for them. Eddie Howe, your old friend, his last game at Bournemouth was away at Everton and they won 1-0. Is there any chance Bournemouth are winning this game and Everton go down? There is a chance because, like you said, I I've wrote Bournemouth off in around Christmas time. I thought these are done. They 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 have nothing left, and they've just surprised me and surprised me. Kept digging out performance after performance, and yeah, they're a talented bunch of lads. And I keep saying I don't think if they were to go down, many clubs would want the players that they have. So the the job that Gary O'Neill is doing is excellent, and they could turn up with the shackles off and, and just absolutely bop everything. But no Sean Dyche like I do if them Bournemouth players turn up and they're a little bit flaky and you know not 100% invested on it they're already safe I think Everton's intensity Goodison will be bouncing the fans will be out the game kicks off at half hour the fans will be outside Goodison from 12 o'clock the atmosphere will be bouncing they will demand the performance so I don't think Bournemouth will get any chance any time on the, on, on the ball whatsoever there'll be tackles flying in and I'm hoping that Bournemouth just shy away from it rather than leaning into it and if they do Everton only need the one goal Bournemouth the last three games they've only scored one goal so I just feel like maybe Bournemouth are just winding down and they're happy with what they've got which they should be it's been an outstanding season for them I, I get them no hope I thought they'd be relegated at the start of the season so yeah incredible job yeah absolutely yes Gardner O'Neill I know p- people like the manager of the season people have asked me before people will obviously go to Pep but I think the likes of Gary O'Neill Unai Emre Thomas Frank these boys with the with what they have at their disposal I think they're the manager of the season arguably Pep is doing what he's supposed to do with that group I think of boys. Pep is doing what he's supposed to be doing I think that um, they should look beyond the obvious when it comes to manager of the year Yeah, remember Scott Parker when uh, Bournemouth were beaten by 9 at Anfield yeah. and he came out after and said these players are nowhere near good enough Yeah, and Gary O'Neill steps in who do you want to stay up not who do you think well who do you actually want to see in the Premier League next season out of those three uh, I, I'd like to see Everton stay up just because of Sean Dyche I, I have uh, a fondness for the man I think he's come in and he, he's done quite well I think with, with that Everton bunch goals is obviously a big big problem I think we can all say there's been an improvement since Lampard's gone out and that's not me being horrible I think Dyche has just made them a little bit stronger gave them a little bit of pride and now the minimum is maximum effort that's what you get every single game and the fans by and large will accept that because they're not that talented but if they get one or two players in stay up this season I think Sean Dyche can build on that and even if they do go down and lose the game you've seen the way Sean Dyche's 10 years at Burnley like they own the training ground they own Turf Moor he absolutely revolutionised that club on and off the pitch so I'm sure if Everton give him enough time if they do go down he will do that for Everton as well and it's a very very shrewd signing because like I say if Everton go down no better man to bring them back up than Deutsch but I do expect them to, to win the game and do enough I think he'll keep the job as well mm. if they stay up I think that th- that's not one of those just uh, keep exam situation yeah. mm. um, 
so Leicester gone Leeds gone that's what we're saying almost irrespective of what they do in their games well no I, no not necessarily I wouldn't completely rule them I think Leeds are gone I think Leeds are done I think Leicester have a very slight that one point they got against Newcastle when they played a back five and they dropped yeah. Madison and Barnes which was they a big big call win, though, right? uh, yeah no, that can be a draw I think and Everton Bournemouth can be a draw if Leicester win because Leicester, Leicester have scored the most goals out of the bottom yeah, 10. Yeah, Leicester have the best uh, And they, they've scored 12 more goals than Chelsea. Like, Fair point. 12. Sorry, sorry, I was looking at the um, Leeds goal difference. Yeah. They've only scored, like, they scored the same amount of goals as Aston Villa, who are seventh. And only, I think, about seven goals worse off than United. So their goal scoring has never been a problem for them all season, Leicester. It's at the back. So they played that back five against Newcastle, got well, a point. You, you would also say United and Villa need to score way more than they are. Oh, yeah, anyway, okay. more. But, you know, it, like, you would, they don't think that a side should get relegated with that goal scoring form. Will the league miss... Leicester and Leeds Nah sure They'll be back up Pretty quickly For for clarity um, Leicester City are on Minus 18 And Everton are on Minus 24 So you're, you are correct If Everton draw And Leicester win Leicester are safe So it's it, it ain't done uh, Like the league Would miss Everton More than Leicester Wouldn't they Well I mean The last couple of seasons Leicester have won a cup Won a league mm. Played some amazing football decline, like. It Br- is. Brought us Rebecca Vardy, like you know. <laughs> well, she can still do her business down there, like. But uh, like Blackburn went down. Was it four years after I won the league? So this is this is seven. So, okay. The FA Cup as well. It'd be a surprise. Who's your player of the year? Does it just have to be Haaland? Uh, it's very easy to hide behind the stats, isn't it, and justify Haaland But there's been some some outstanding. I, I like Odegaard. Obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I think Odegaard's been excellent in terms of defensive stuff, attacking stuff. Haaland attacking wise, outstanding, head and shoulders above everybody. But the likes of an Odegaard, I think, absolutely excellent. 24, still cutting his teeth in the Premier League. Brilliant. Jack Grealish for me, but go on. Really, Grealish. I love this. <laughs> He's a great season. He's good. Like, yeah. I'd love to see his pass map. How many good. passes he's backwards? Yeah, he he gets the ball on the left. Create a little bit of space. Does no? two, oh, takes two touches, you, cuts you in, set it up, passes. set it up, you set it up, kill. <laughs> but he does, he does no killing. Playing a good team, uh, it's it's really Gundogan in the like. If you were just taking the last six weeks, I mean, that was an amazing end to the season. Yeah. What about Granite Shaka's redemption? Uh, I mean, like remember when he told he was telling the fans to f off when he was getting taken off oh, years yeah. ago. Uh, the football kick off with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports this is the last one of the season my thanks to everybody for being part of it my thanks to the two lads for joining us today to keep tracing Colin Buick we will uh, obviously um, see you at the start of next season with an entirely new different show uh, coming your direction in the meantime stay tuned the football kickoff with Sky watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports 